On today's show, Jeep sales fall for the first time in years, Buick will build a version of the Volt in China, and Formula E reflects the impressive improvements in battery technology. All that and more coming right up on AutoLine Daily. This is AutoLine Daily, the show for enthusiasts of the automotive industry. Well, we've got the sales numbers for the U.S. market in September that came in. Kind of a mixed bag. Total sales came to 1.42 million vehicles. That's down 0.7% from last year, a drop of about 10,000 units. The SAR came in at 17.6 million, down from last year's 17.9, but it's still a very strong number. Also, the SAR is up from the 16.9 million rate it hit in August. So here's our AutoLine insight. The market has hit a peak, but it's plateaued at a red-hot rate. Amongst the full-line manufacturers, General Motors dropped a fraction, which is probably a good result considering it's backing off fleet sales. But sales of the Chevrolet Silverado pickup fell by more than 15%. Sure looks like those television ads trashing the aluminum F-Series are not doing the trick. But Ford sales fell 8.4%, the biggest drop of any manufacturer, even more than Volkswagen. Almost every model in the Ford lineup lost sales, but Lincoln actually posted a modest increase. Toyota almost caught Ford in total sales, posting a modest 1.5% increase. Surprisingly, FCA also saw its sales drop, including the first drop in Jeep sales that we remember seeing in years. The Cherokee, the Wrangler, and the Renegade all fell by double digits. Maybe this has to do with changing the way that FCA reports its sales after it was caught cooking the books. Honda sales were essentially flat, down only 95 vehicles from last year. Talk about consistency! and Nissan posted a nearly 5% increase in sales, one of the strongest performances of any automaker. Other notable numbers include Jaguar Land Rover, up an impressive 21% thanks to the new XE and F-Pace, and it was all Jaguar. Land Rover sales were actually off a bit. Hyundai was up 4%, Subaru put in its predictably impressive performance, and Daimler firmly grabbed the lead in the luxury segment easily outselling BMW and Lexus. Overall, it was a very good month, but it's clear that the spectacular rebound of the last seven years is over, and going forward, the fight to get customers is only going to intensify. Coming up next, GM builds a cool-looking truck powered by a fuel cell. Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone Tires. Your journey, our passion. Dow Automotive Systems, advanced materials that deliver better results. And by Lear, a global leader in automotive seating and electrical systems. General Motors has already tested its fuel cells more than 3 million miles, but it wants to do more, and this time it's going off-road. It just unveiled the Chevy Colorado ZH2 that the U.S. Army will test in the field. At over six and a half feet tall, the truck rides on an extended version of the mid-sized truck's chassis and a custom off-road suspension. The Army likes the idea of using fuel cells because they have a low heat signature, i.e. that makes them harder to target with heat-seeking missiles. Also, the fuel cell can generate electricity for use in remote locations. 
And since water is a byproduct of running a fuel cell, it can actually provide some water to troops in the field. And you know, this truck looks pretty cool. Chevy ought to consider selling a version of it, even if they don't offer a fuel cell. And yet on the other hand, maybe all this development work with fuel cells is just a waste of time. According to the managing director for the investment firm CLSA, fuel cell vehicles will never catch on. Chris Richter says that the cost of fuel cells and building a hydrogen network are currently still high, and he says that hydrogen is really not all that green. 95% of hydrogen is produced using a very carbon-intensive process using natural gas, and he says that to make it truly green using solar or wind power would add even more cost. And then if you add the cost of building a hydrogen station, which CLA estimates is three times that of a gasoline station, you can see why he is so pessimistic. Meanwhile, battery technology continues to accelerate. Costs are coming down fast, and EVs with 200-mile-plus ranges will soon be hitting the market. And here's another example of how battery technology is progressing. Formula E, the all-electric racing series, currently uses two cars for every driver in a race. They have to switch cars halfway through a race because the batteries will only last that long. But for the 2018-2019 season, Formula E believes teams will be able to complete the race using one car. And finally, in other EV news, Out of Forecast Solutions reports that Buick will get its own version of the Chevrolet Volt, but this time it's going to be called the Buick Velite. The car will be produced in China starting next February. Say, would you believe that a Pinto-powered Lola 90 race car could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the 1970 Le Mans winning Porsche? Well, we'll explain how right after this. For the people at Dow, racing is a sport and a science. We enjoy one and learn from the other. But like most competitive people, we like winning at both. This is the human element at work. Dow. Vintage racing was the topic on last week's Autoline After Hours. That's because Henry Payne, the auto critic at the Detroit News, brought his 1988 Lola 90 race car into the studio. Here's part of that discussion. This car, just to, to give folks a, a sense of how rapidly race car technology advances, the, uh, the 1970 Porsche 908, which was a Le Mans winning three liter class car in 1970, 400 horsepower, 1300 pound car. This car is another 20 years on, 20 years later, has only 150 horsepower and is doing the same lap times mm. at, uh, at VIR. And, and as you you told me that earlier, and what blew my mind is they're roughly the same weight. It's the same weight. Yeah, this is 1,100 pounds, the 908's 1,300 pounds. It's the difference between an aluminum monocoque tub and a full tube frame. And that's what I'm getting at. It's yeah. not as if the, this car has a much better power-to-weight ratio than the Porsche. It does not. That's the right. Porsche has a better power-to-weight ratio. That's right. And what you're saying is because of the design of the suspension, the geometry, but especially the stiffness of the chassis, this car sitting here, might have won Le Mans in 1970. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's really remarkable. You can only go back in time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then you come, and then you come to today's the, the modern sports car today, uh, like a Porsche 919 uh, that, that won Le Mans, won Le Mans this year. This right? year, 
Yeah, one, yeah. I have to remember the Toyota dropped out with five minutes right. to go. Yeah, that's right. That very dramatic end. So that, that's, a, that's a carbon fiber chassis. Um, and, and the prototypes in that, in that class with carbon fiber chassis versus an IMSA prototype car, uh, which is still using aluminum monocoque tub, uh, the 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 uh, the uh, the modern carbon fiber sports car tub uh, uh, car the 919 is only six seconds off of Formula One car times at places like Circuit of the Americas. They're a full 13 seconds quicker than an IMSA prototype because of the difference in that tub technology. So the advancement continues today. And you can watch that entire show right now on our website Autoline.tv or hop on over to YouTube, and you can find it there on our YouTube channel. But that wraps up today's report. Thanks for watching, and please join us again tomorrow.